0: Okay. You ready to go then? You are. Yes. <laughs> hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I am Tara Bowen Biggs here, as always, with Blazer's outsider, Danny Meringue. Danny, Hey-o. how you doing?
1: Uh, I'm going to fake enthusiasm and, and energy right now because I am dog tired.
0: Well, what else is new, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Thank you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I am handling my inner
1: Carmelo Anthony right now.
0: Well, the Blazers are 11 and five right now, sitting atop the mighty Western conference. Did you see this coming?
1: Excuse me. I need to pop this bottle of champagne. Uh- <laughs>
0: Today is Monday night I don't know how long this is going to last Somebody at work today was like Hey, how long do you think they can keep it up? A couple weeks And I was like, from your mouth to God's ears
1: (laughs) I mean, at least for two more nights
0: Is that how it works out if you look at the schedule?
1: I mean, yeah After the Knicks, you've got Milwaukee and Golden State And you've got Milwaukee in a back-to-back So I mean, you've got got a chance to, to gain some ground though yeah, if you, if you beat the Knicks, drop the Bucks, beat the Warriors, you're getting one and one against the Warriors. You're getting a win, they're getting a loss. So,
0: or alternatively, how about uh, they beat the Knicks, they beat the Bucks, and they beat the Warriors? Hey, I, I'm just
1: I'm setting the bar. Go two and one for the rest of the way, and I'll be happy with three and zero. Oh.
0: Do you remember what you had them at uh, at this point in the season when you like you know try we're trying to figure out the schedule?
1: Uh, yeah, I had them at, I think I want to say nine and seven. I, th- I, I had them just slightly
0: above 500 at this point in time. Okay. Well you were more optimistic than I was. I had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. I had them opposite. I had them five and 11. How terrible Ooh. is that? I'm the worst.
1: See, I had them doing okay to start this season, and then December's the month that they just get shellacked. Yeah. That was the month I was like, I want no part of that month.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have, I had them more hitting their stride. I was following the patterns of years past where yeah. they kind of were like, you know, uh, had a little bit of a tough time out of the gate. And I had them in my you know, little penciled in the margins things, I've already put them through a seven game losing streak. So they should never ever ask me how I think the season is going to go. If you'll remember, I think I ended up with them at like 45 or 46 wins, but I had a rough start. So I am so pleased to be so wrong about how the Blazers have started off this season. I will take the number one in the West for as many minutes, hours, or days as it lasts. Mm
1: -hmm, Um, mm -hmm.
0: But I was, I was, you know, trying to dig into it. They actually have the second best net rating right now, so it's not like a total fluke. Um, they're, you know, second best net rating, and that's even adjusted on strength of schedule. Because then I saw, like, I saw, you know, net rating, and I was like, okay, well, that's great. And then I was like, oh, what's what happens when you sort it by strength of schedule. And I was like, they're still number two, because mm-hmm. usually people are talking about – Oh, they had really weak opponents, or everybody was injured, or all this stuff. And it's like the oh, Blazers it's, 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 are coming out and they are taking care of business.
1: We do have to say the Blazers are currently are tied for first place right now Uh-oh. with with the Clippers and Grizzlies.
0: Did they both win tonight?
1: Yes, they are oh, both eleven. Okay. If you
0: want well, to, eight, 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 uh,
1: really <laughs> if you want to, that eight hour, that twelve hours was really great. If you want to go into that small sample size theater. Holy crap, who had the Clippers and oh, I had the Grizzlies sneaking into the playoffs. Yeah. Remember the, going into the season, nobody believed me on that one. I was like, they're going to be a better team than people think. But the Clippers, no, did not did not have that one.
0: I know. It's it's actually pretty topsy-turvy. I mean, we were going to talk about the sort of the league in general at the end, but like might as well bring up a couple things right now that are going on that are super topsy-turvy. We have Golden State of all teams uh you know with locker room drama
1: looking mortal
0: well i mean i don't know i'm so i so don't trust they have like i think half of the nba media is located in the bay area right now i know it
1: is i mean espn sports illustrated
0: and they're they're all just desperate to come up with something new and you know, finally they found something that was interesting, and I think they're, I think, but I don't know anything. I think they're just blowing it up to like huge proportions.
1: I i don't think they're blowing it up, I genuinely don't.
0: So, do, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think that the dynasty's <clears throat> over, Kevin Durant's going to leave, and they're all going to go their separate ways, or he's going to leave and they're going to continue on just fine without him?
1: I had KD like leaving before this all happened at like 80%. Yeah, I just. He's going to go get his money. Yeah. He's, this is his last mega deal. Anybody who doesn't realize that, he's got his rings. Right. Like, what, what more does he have to do?
0: But they're going to be fine without him, aren't they? I they mean... are,
1: but are they willing to pay Draymond in two years? Mm-hmm. Are they willing to pay Clay? Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised, and this is awful to even think about, if KD ended up in Los Angeles. I, I just at this point, I just wouldn't be surprised.
0: No, that that wouldn't shock me either. And that and that changes the power dynamic
1: with, with LeBron and KD on the same damn team. Yeah, that that swings it back more towards what we had five six years ago.
0: Okay, that's way too depressing. I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. What I what I do want to know is, do you think that this is something that's going to at all in any way, shape, or form affect their basketball
1: this year yep. no they're still of the title favorites yeah. yeah Steph's gonna come back and they'll be right back but until Steph's there they are mortal they are vulnerable mm-hmm. there, there's there's no doubt in my mind I mean you you, you can see
0: it <clears throat> well Steph was my I mean super early small tiny sample size MVP uh can't you know front runner for MVP I thought he was just having such an outstanding year uh, so I hope that he's going to be able to play enough minutes. I mean, obviously Damien is my, uh, you know, my, my hope. <laughs> I'm just so, I'm so excited to see him in like seriously legitimately in the conversation where, you know, he people are talking about him seriously. Uh, in the MVP conversation, and it gives hope to my campaign, which you poo pooed a little bit at the beginning of the season to get Damien as a starter for the All Star game. How do you think I'm uh, still on a fool's errand?
1: Yeah, just because of the, um, just because of the numbers. Like, just I mean, it's just it it, it is what it is. Okay.
0: Well, how um, many Twitter accounts do you have to tweet from?
1: I I, I have. <laughs> I
0: have two. You start them for all your friends and uh, help them figure it out because we're gonna get Damian Lillard as a starter in the All Star Game.
1: I listen from from your word, or from lip, your lips. From my to mouth to
0: God's ears. That's how it goes. Yeah, yeah. I, I. Should listen. that be the title of this episode?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's I, I, probably a, a fair bet. Uh, but Dame has been a legitimate MVP candidate and there's another guard that nobody's talking about right now that should be in the same breath. And he's had the best week in the NBA this year. And that's Kimball Walker.
0: Yeah, but he's not in the West.
1: No, oh, but we, oh, you're he, talking
0: about MVP, not um, MVP, like
1: as far as like what he means to a team. Right. He is in the same breath as Damian Lillard right now.
0: Okay. I mean, I, I totally get that he is keeping that team afloat, but I feel like Damien does more than keep the team afloat. I don't, that's kind of a weird, I'm not quite sure. There's a difference between floating and swimming, I
1: guess. Kim will never win it. There's no doubt he will never, ever, ever win it with that team. But I mean, for like, he is to that team what Damien Lillard is to Portland.
0: Yeah, but I mean, do you get my, my, how I I, I see the going. difference. Yeah. Like Damien is like putting him on, you know, they're all swimming and Kemba's just like they're keeping their head above water. Um, but I'm excited for him. I, you know, I knew at the beginning, I'm so glad that I decided to start paying attention to Kemba Walker this year because <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's obviously super exciting mm. and really fun to watch. Well, let's go, let's bring it back to the Blazers. Last night, the Blazers, or yesterday afternoon, a nice matinee. Oh, I love (laughs) afternoon games. Um, They are nice. The Blazers defeated the Wizards. They got revenge off that horrible game from earlier. But Mm -hmm. that comes after two straight losses. And I was, like, super afraid that if the Blazers... Lost that wizards game. I didn't know how we were gonna <laughs> pull this off today. I was afraid that I was gonna be peeling you off of, you know, the, the floor from crying me. and
1: <laughs> No, you weren't gonna have to peel me. You were just gonna have to find the scarred carcasses of everybody else left after I scorched the earth. <laughs> like, they dropped that game of the wizards. People like people watching the show were just like, huh, Dan's gonna lose his mind. I'm like, I'll lose my freaking mind. It was going to be a full on capital meltdown. Uh, but they business. So
0: they did, they took care of business, but that, so it it was a, they lost two out of their last three games. So Mm -hmm. is this, does this just mean that it's time to panic? Does it mean that things are regressing back to the mean? What have we learned from the last week and how they've handled the two losses and in the, the way in which they've lost these games?
1: Uh, I think the Blazers realized, and I think Terry Stotts' words were heated quite heavily, in that they can't just win scoring. And and I, I, I've talked about this. I, I gave this to Chad to talk about in the pregame show tonight. We talked about it on Blazers Outsiders. These are the numbers heading into the Wizards game, Taro. In Blazers wins, opponents score 102 points a game. In Blazers losses, they score 121.
0: Oh God. <laughs>
1: That is feast and famine. I mean, it is either the Blazers are winning handily and just shutting opponents down, or Portland is getting their ass kicked. And that's because the Blazers' offense is the same. Well Blazers' offense is 116 points a game in wins, 115 and a half in losses. Wow, that's super like, consistent. That, that's, yeah, so the offense is there no matter what. It's the defensive effort that matters, and we saw that against Washington. Play defense and you're, and you're, you're going to win games. You have enough offensive weapons between Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, and we'll talk about Yusuf here in a bit, just between those three guys. You have enough to win every single night. Yeah. And when they play defense like they're capable of, they should win these games handily more often than not. Now, Milwaukee, Toronto, Golden State, those games, those are the games, maybe not toss-ups, but those are the games where they need something a little extra special.
0: Beyond just other- the regular defense?
1: Yeah. But otherwise, they, they should win those games. That, that, that's where they're at right now.
0: Well, I so the Laker loss to me was just, you can't contain, they just couldn't contain, LeBron was going to go off and there was nothing in the world that was going to stop him.
1: He's been going off all week. Yeah, He finally said, okay, Enough of this crap. I'm done trying to make Lonzo featured or get Kuzma the ball or get Ingram going with a second unit. I'm going to go and show you that I'm the best player in the world. And that's what he's done.
0: I kind of think he's having fun.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean... When, when... I think
0: he's like, all right, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to try to bring everybody along. I'm going to go out there and have fun and they're just going to have to keep up.
1: Yeah, I think you're spot on. When And we've talked about this before with LeBron. When LeBron's in his bag, when he's hitting five of five from three yeah. in the first half, there's not a damn thing anybody else in the world can do to stop him. Because if you have to step up to the three-point line to guard that man, and now he's getting ahead of steam going, you're, you're, you're toast. Right. That's flat out. That, that's That's the gist of it. And you just hope to God that nobody else is hitting shots. And on that night, that freaking walking garbage disposal <laughs> – Lonzo Ball is hitting three.
0: Okay, that seems a little harsh he, to he call air-ball. him a walking garbage disposal. He, he is air-ball. a person, Dan. Let's give him a little more respect. No, I, I'm
1: talking about his shooting because the man airballs more shots than anybody I've ever seen in NBA history. It is absolutely insane that a player that supposedly the, the second coming of Jason Kidd and just airball after airball. I seen him airball like five or six shots. Not not misses a shot badly. Airball. Okay. Okay, (laughs)
0: you're getting a little upset. I want to move on and talk about the Timberwolves because the Lakers, as much as I hated it, like I could see what happened, right? Yeah. So what happened against the Timberwolves? Is it was it just you know are they still on the no more Jimmy Butler euphoria, or are they going to be better now? I mean Covington looked great for them. Yeah.
1: it, the, the I think this is more of there's two things at play here. One, Portland didn't play a lick of defense in that game. That was probably CJ's worst defensive game this the season. He got straight line drove to the rim. I think a half dozen times. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was not a fan of that game. And I think they bounced back. And I think both Dame and CJ were much much better defensively against the Wizards. Um, but the the Timberwolves game, they they didn't care to play defense, and it showed. Damian. And, pretty much said as much in the post game.
0: Damien always struggles against Taj Gibson's in my nightmares. It's just <laughs> Damien running straight into Taj Gibson's gut on screen after screen after screen.
1: Taj sets pretty pretty solid screen. And it's Don't, always
0: he'll... Damien just running full strength into him. But the, the play for me that uh, encapsulated the whole Timberwolves game, mm-hmm. uh, defensively anyway, was when uh Anthony Simons got switched onto cat and he just looked up <laughs> and he like raised his arms up as high as he could and cat just looked down at him and and I could just I could just feel like all the coaches on the bench just go <gasps> <laughs> Just suck it in. It's not a position
1: you want your 19-year-old six foot five guard going into. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. But that 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 was the first game that we saw Anthony Simons playing some meaningful minutes. So the Timber against the Timberwolves and the Wizards. What are your thoughts on how he looked getting his first, you know, real run?
1: I mean, other than that play, he was very aggressive. He made some heady plays. He there was one play in particular that really stood out to me, and everybody will talk about the finish that he had at the rim, the little euro step, which was incredibly nice. But to me, and this kind of goes back to that whole, does Anthony Simons have quote unquote it? And it was a play where he drove to the middle, full speed, one step, stop, elevate, shoot and hit. Like there were very, very, very few guys in the league. And when you talk about uh, athleticism, this is one of those things that I talk about. that doesn't get discussed a lot is that, The ability to not only accelerate, but decelerate. And the best shot creators in the league, they have that ability. Not only to blow by you, but to stop on an absolute dime and elevate straight up.
0: I think we talked about this last year with both Damian and James Harden, them being the two guys who had the best deceleration abilities.
1: Mm -hmm. John Wall is in that same category. Um, Russell Westbrook like think about Westbrook when he when he gets to the when he gets to the rim it's that blow by speed right but he also gets to that elbow when he thinks he's you're he he has you thinking he's going to the rim and he stops on a dime and gets that elbow spot when he's kind of going and he just pulls straight up Mm -hmm. and that ability to decelerate was the same thing that Simon showed and I was like that's that's special right there those are the things that I'm looking for from from that young man right now so it's not a how many shots he gets or how effective he is. It's how, what does he have in his bag? That is no doubt a translatable skill that they can build on. Mm -hmm.
0: So I say this at the risk of knowing that you're uh, a little bit tired and cranky tonight, but (laughs) I, I feel like, and this is how I feel. I'm not, this is not how I'm, I'm not projecting this on you, but this is what I, this is what it looks like to me. I feel like you're looking at Anthony Simons kind of with some rose colored glasses, kind of, the way that people were talking about Zach Collins last year that made you get so upset because you didn't think Zach Collins is ready. When I watch Anthony Simons, I think, "Oh, there's a lot of promise, but I don't think he's ready."
1: I, I don't think he's ready by any means. I just think he has a couple things that you can check off as like. and It's the same thing I go back to his his shot creating ability. That's the one thing that I've seen from the kid so far. And here's the other thing. Zach Collins was traded up for in into the lottery to be drafted. Anthony Simons was a late first-round pick, which he's he's a young man who the only reason he was taken where he was is because there was a promise there from, from another team that was going to take him before Portland.
0: But, I mean, take, neither of those guys have I, anything to do with where they were taken.
1: No, but expectations come with draft selection position, always. There's, 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 no, there's no changing that. That that's always going to be true
0: so because of where anthony simons was picked it's okay to get excited about you know the no, one it, thing it, that it, he can not, do but because zach collins was taken at 10 we have to all slow our roll
1: no it, there's a major difference the organization isn't out here calling anthony simons the next kobe bryant or brandon roy he's not a foundational building block for the
0: next 10 years so it's what the organization w- is saying
1: Yes, and that's why I was always about. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's let's slow our roll with Zach here. And and if 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 the Blazers come out and all of a sudden say Anthony Simons is that guy, I'm going to tell them to slow their roll. Okay. I'm going to hey hey hey. I mean, we saw it against the Wizards. Right. Those, those were two totally different players. And I think just building off Simons here, I think a lot of what what the organization sees him in. Damian Lillard has mentioned it. His aggressiveness. It showed up in the Wizards game. But I think there was a little added pressure in that, in that situation where, and remember when Zach first started playing last year, it wasn't all sunshine and rainbow. No,
0: it wasn't at all. I guess I just, I just had this feeling like, oh, this is must be what Dan felt like last year when everybody was like, Zach Collins is going to be you know he's he's ready to take the team and you know be the new starting center I mean not people weren't actually saying that but as I was hearing a lot of people talking about Anthony Simons as he's like the future of the thing I was like oh this kind of must be kind of a little bit like what Dan felt like last year
1: there, there is some of that but I think the organization has been better about how they've built the narrative around him does
0: that make sense yeah no they're I mean they're not yeah, they're, they've it's been awesome. a little bit more it's reserved the in their yeah. expectations, like you were saying.
1: Yeah, they, they've talked about him in the future, but in the future in, like, four or five years. Mm-hmm. They, they haven't gone out and said that he's the next Kobe Bryant, Damian Lillard, <laughs> Brandon they Roy. They just haven't
0: had that press conference yet.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: just wait till exit interviews. Who's he yeah, yeah, he's I gonna mean, be the next Brandon Roy, the next Russell Westbrook, the next James yeah. Harden.
1: <laughs> See, that's it if they go that way, I'm gonna <laughs> say the same thing I said about Zach. And that's, yeah, sure, in a couple years. I mean, if, if that's what you believe on. And I do believe Collins is and I even in my negativity around Collins, I have always said he will be a solid NBA player. Mm-hmm. Anthony Simons, I feel like he has like with Zach. I always asked you what was the one bankable skill that you could count on. What was his defense with Simons right now? I think his one bankable skill is the, his ability to create shots. Mm-hmm. Now I don't. I, yes, mm-hmm. and 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 I don't know if that's going to translate yet. And like and, and turn in in turning you know him turn into a CJ or a, or a Damian Lillard type of player. But I see what the Blazers see in him from that aspect. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, so to go go back to the, you know, being uh, losing two out of three, one of the things that was different, and Anthony Simons is kind of part of this, is that uh, the bench struggled a lot more in um, at least the last couple of games. And partly, you know, I don't know if... I I think some of it is probably because there's no Seth Curry. I think... I feel like that there was he was more a part of the he was more important to the bench than we suspected because he wasn't putting right. up big numbers um but that unit always seemed so cohesive like they seemed really used to each other and like they had really good chemistry and even though he wasn't scoring a lot i think he was more a part of more at a more important part than maybe we anticipated now that we see them without him
1: yeah, I, I don't disagree, and that's again. I, I think it's gravity. I think it's floor spacing. A um, couple things over the last couple of games, with the exception of the the Wizards game. Um, going into the Wizards game, from the time Damien rolled his knee to um, you know tip off of the Wizards game, those three games he was shooting 35% from the floor and 26% from the three. I was a little worried about his knee.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're yeah, not feeling that anymore. He basically told me to shut the hell up after Wizards game. (laughs) Um, But maybe that was just, you know, getting an extra day of rest. It it felt a little bit better. Had a little more of a bounce on his step. As far as the bench goes, Evan Turner had his best play of the season through the first 12 games. Last couple games, he's had a rough go of it.
0: Do you think that is because the... You know, the different personnel, like I was saying, or do you think that might be also because other teams have figured have uh, figured it out? I'm going to go ahead and answer what you're going to say is yes, both.
1: You're right. I, we talked about this off air a couple weeks ago. Once the tape gets out on the Blazers bench, you're going to see a little bit of a reg- regression. And I, I think that's kind of what's happened. I also think Evan Turner, has, he reverted back to kind of his older way. And not, I don't think that was necessarily his fault. What have you seen Evan do more of lately in the last couple games? shoot corner threes. Mm-hmm. That's just not his game. It, it's just not. We haven't seen Evan really creating from the middle of the floor a ton, And I, I think that's been to the bench's detriment.
0: So one of the things that I've been watching in the last, oh, I don't know, pretty much since the season started, is I think that I, Evan Turner and Myers Leonard have a fabulous connection. And you can see that in these little exactly. trick plays that they do. Little behind the back Yes, and- I love them. Yeah. I've been going through and like s- s- taking them off of nba.com and compiling them cuz I love them. But they did not play Myers Leonard until very late in the Wizards game. And I was really disappointed because I was wanting to see some more of those funky little passes. And also because I think he and Evan Turner play really well together. And also in the game against the Timberwolves, Myers was out there talking to Anthony Simons a whole bunch and helping him figure out where to go and where to be. So I was really surprised that they waited so long to put him in.
1: There was a play in particular against the Timberwolves where Myers barked at Anthony telling him exactly where to be. And I was like, good for you, Myers. Good good for you, big fella. And listen, I, I am adamantly pro Myers. There's, there's never been a doubt about that. Um, give, give the young man his due. He has gone out and done everything that we've asked him and we wanted for him to do this season. He's not an all-star. He's not this. He's going out there. He's setting screens. He's rebounding the ball. He's knocking down threes. He's finishing at the rim. That's all anybody has ever wanted for Myers Leonard, and that's what he's done. I was disappointed in what the Blazers did or didn't do in getting Myers the ball, or getting Myers in the game, I should say, against um, the Wizards. I think part of that had to do with the way, and we saw it, the Wizards were coming back. And I think Stotts, was, there was no way in hell he was going to let that game get sideways again. He was not going to let that happen. And that's why you saw Damon, CJ, and Norkich back out there.
0: Well, and do you think – the? I mean, who who even – they don't really have much of a center anymore, like, without Gortat.
1: Yeah, I mean, they have Dwight, and Dwight re-injured his butt.
0: Yeah, I mean, he played for a little while, but then after then, that uh, – I mean – There was nobody for him to match up, I guess, Myers to match up against?
1: Yeah, they didn't want to see him on, on Jeff Green, mm-hmm. and, which is kind of funny because Jeff Green probably – had his worst game against the Blazers I've ever seen. Because Jeff Green usually is a guy that just really, really bothers Portland. He ended up 3 of 10 that game. The guys that I was most worried about in Jeff Morris. Green. <laughs> Morris. I mean, they shot like 4 of 16. Yeah. So, uh, but, again, Myers did get some minutes out there, and I would expect to see him get pretty steady minutes. I I, I think against the Knicks, Myers and Nurkic are going to get a pretty steady diet of, of minutes.
0: I'm excited for that game because I'm excited to see Noah Vonley again. I think he's been putting in a lot of uh, he's been putting in a lot of work.
1: yeah, I mean they're they're gonna have cantor, Va Mitchell Robinson. So they're gonna be running some bigger guys out there. Um, so I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see um, I mean, you look at Mitchell Robinson right now. He's getting eighteen minutes a game. Um Vonley's getting twenty three. Cantor's getting like twenty eight or something like that. So there's going to be some, some bigger bodies out on the floor.
0: So you expect uh, we'll see more Myers.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, Mitchell Robinson has looked really good. He's a little undersized as far as weight-wise, but he's, he's still a seven-footer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's going to be a fun player to watch. I think Blazers fans who haven't had a chance to see him are going to be like, ooh, this, this kid looks fun. Um, but Cantor is very much traditional, and for, you know as much as everybody wants to talk about Vonley, you know, being that hybrid guy still is going to make his money inside. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think you see a pretty steady diet of, of, of uh, Myers and Nurk in that game.
0: Well, before we move on uh, to talking a little bit more about Nurkic, I want to talk about one play that everybody's talking about in that Wizards game. I think nine you know passes. which one. Yeah, the nine passes in 15 seconds and on and on and on. Okay, and I'm not saying I didn't appreciate that play because it was a lovely play. It was beautiful ball and it was fizzing around as lee ellis likes to say on the starters there was nothing about that play that wasn't a nice play but i think people are getting a little excited about it like joe freeman from the oregonian wrote a whole article like just on that play and it was like he might as well just written a like love sonnet about how wonderful that play was and i heard people talking about how um, you know, it this is this is Blazer basketball. This is what Blazer basketball is always meant to be. This is how it was supposed to be. And I keep thinking like the, for the last 5 years the Blazers have not passed the ball around very much. And I I mean, that's just not how they're built and that's not like an indictment on how they play. They're just not a team that is built around getting a lot of assists. They're not built around, you know, doing that stuff.
1: No, it's kind of funny that you say that because I, was, I, was, I figured you'd be on the other side of this, but Shane and Joe were giving me crap because when, when that play happened, my first reaction was, you guys know like what happened during that play, right?
0: Right. I mean, because, it was like, oh, I can't go. Oh, oh, ah. It was more yeah, like every- they were playing hot potato. Everyone was like, oh, they're playing this keep away. I'm like, no, they're playing hot potato. <laughs>
1: yeah. So on the initial kickout, Lehman takes his eyes off the ball and gets a bad catch. That's why he doesn't take the shot initially. Because, if and listen, Jake has done very good in catch-and-shoot situations this year. Like, if Jake catches an open three in the corner, I want him letting it go. I don't care where it's at in the clock. Let it go. The, the dude's shooting the lights out. But he gets a bad catch. He does the right thing, though, and he tacks the closeout, kicks it back out, and then Dan gets it and swings it to CJ. Now, CJ, he hesitates for a split second, and then he tries to shoot over two, which why so that was another one that kind of made me go eh? and chief actually mentioned it because chief was the next on the pass and when chief was talking about the play in the post game he said cj took longer to get it to me than it should have been that lets you know right there like it was off rhythm right but aminu does the right thing and attacks the closeout out again kicks it out the game and this is where it got pretty the prettiest part of that play was when aminu drove and kick and Dame redirected and reversed the ball. That was the prettiest part of that entire play because there was no fumble, there was no hesitation, there was no going up. It was a read that was on time, spot perfect, inch perfect, layman catches, knocks it down to the end of the shot clock. That was pretty, pretty basketball. Just that portion alone. Mm-hmm. Now, the entire play was nice, but that part of the play was pristine.
0: Well, yeah, and I'm not saying that I didn't, you know, love it, even as it was happening. It It's just I don't think it's characteristic of, like, the kind no. of ball we're going to expect the Blazers to be playing now. I no, on not in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. They made a series of smart choices based on having limited options, and they, mm-hmm. they did it the right way. And thank God Jake, uh, Jake hit it at the end, because if he hadn't, we would have forgotten all about it or we'd have been like, oh, I can't believe they missed it. So it, it, would, it
1: would have gone to the same place that CJ McCollum's dribble through the legs of Tyson Chandler would have gone <laughs> because he missed the shot. If CJ hit that three, we're talking about that play the whole season. Yeah, but you know who we can talk about going through the legs? Nurkic. Yusuf freaking Nurkic. Oh, uh,
0: I am Giant so proud of him. He is having such a great year. I'm so excited. Okay, go. You he, go.
1: He is. That game was like a a. Salute to Arvidas Simonis. He was diming people up from the high post and mid post over and over and over again. I was actually frustrated with Damon CJ late in the game for not running the offense through Yusuf Nurkic. Not for the triple-double, but remind me again, Tara, what got the Blazers offense going in the first half?
0: It's always Yusuf Nurkic. <laughs> he,
1: was, he was setting everything up. Everybody was, was was feeding off him, whether it was directly or as the hockey assist. So when the Blazers reverted back to some of that crap that they ran last year in crunch time, listen, I don't mind doing it every now and then. Like, Damon and CJ are phenomenal isolation players. But if you're trying to ice the game and all of a sudden things aren't working, let's, let's go back to what was, which was Nurkic being the, the hub of the offense, drawing one, or sometimes drawing two, and then finding somebody cutting. Like, that... That to me is more indicative of what the Blazers could and should be than a nine pass sequence.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, I think pass that, that's move. a great pass move. That that's a great summary. Well, pass move and then take the shot that you know how to make and that you know you're going to make. And that's the other thing that Nurkic has done this year is he's uh, narrowed, he's got a smaller bag of trips tricks that he draws from, but he draws from the ones that he knows that he can make. So we the, the Wizards game took place during a women's hoops and talks meetup. And by mm-hmm. the time the end of the game was over, I had them, everybody convinced that, like, we don't need, we shouldn't be upset about Nurkic not dunking anymore. Like, if you expect that he's going to dunk every time just because he's seven feet tall, then you're going to be disappointed. If you realize that he's taking the shots that are best for him and he's not doing the weird little push it up kind of things anymore very,
1: anymore. very, very rarely is he doing that.
0: Or the little flippy thingies he's doing like, you know, he's going up intentionally. He may not be going up with both hands in a dunk, but he's like, you know, taking the right shots to get up and over the people that he is is battling through. And but he is dunking more. Right. If a dunk happens to be the right move, he'll make it. But it's not he's not dunking just for the sake of dunking. He's dunking because oh. in that moment that's the right move to make.
1: Yeah. And like he's he's still throwing a few of those those Nurkic nuggets in there. And that's the feet work. The play that he had against Carl Anthony Towns, against the Timberwolves, where he got the offensive rebound power dribbled, and then inside pivot on the putback, it was some of the tightest, cleanest, neatest feet work you will see from a 7-foot, 275-pound human being. Mm -hmm. I love it when he gets on his toes and does that because he has such quick feet and such great balance. He literally looks – I've said this probably a dozen times about him. He's like a dancing bear. Like when he when he starts getting on his toes like that, like he's he has a, like listen, there, there's there's a difference between, you know, elite athleticism for a six foot six guy and elite athleticism for a seven foot two hundred seventy five pound guy. There are just different things that those people can do, and with him, his athleticism is more about how clean and precise and controlled his body control is. For him to look that, I mean. I'm not to throw him under the bus here, but like, look at Myers. Myers doesn't have like this pretty, pristine, clean footwork in the paint. Now he's a phenomenal athlete. There's no doubt about it. And I want to see the Blazers throw more blobs for him. That's, that's where his athleticism shines. Mm-hmm. But Nurkic, when he does that, it's just, there's just something about that. It, it's just so pure that I love. I, I can sit there and watch that all day.
0: Well, and I – one of the things that I like about Nurkic this year is his hustle and his effort. And I, I thought I heard in one of the – maybe in the Timberwolves game, I thought I heard – because he didn't play much towards the end and he wasn't really in foul trouble or anything. And I thought I heard people – you know commenting about you know maybe that he wasn't playing well enough on defense or whatever but my observation about that Timberwolves game my son and I were watching that game together and we were laughing in the first quarter because Yusuf Nurkic was playing so hard. Hard. He was Mm -hmm. running up and down the court faster than I've ever seen him run. He was hustling and he was tired. We were just like, oh, my God, Nurkic is going to play himself on the floor because he's playing so hard. But I love that out of him. And I really I really think that he has put a lot of things together this year. And I think that, you know, I don't know if we're back to Nurkic fever or whatever, but I think he's a, a really great compliment right now.
1: Yeah, and I'm really glad you brought up the hustle part, because that, that, that's kind of the thing that kind of goes unseen unless you're really watching for it. Myers and Yusuf are two guys this year who I've noticed a ton on rebounds, where they're not the, the rebounder. Particularly like Alfred Camino or, or one of the other longer wings, getting a rebound, a defensive rebound, and both of those big men running the floor and getting deep, early position.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Now, I want to see the guards reward that more. I, I've seen Dame CJ for the most part be decent about it. But the one who looks every time is Evan. Mm-hmm. If Evan sees one of his, and I, this is the, one of the things I love about ET. When he knows that somebody needs a shot, he gets them the ball. Mm-hmm. I, I think he has that indicative, I, I, not that there's like a pure point guard or point or a shooting scoring point guard, you know, archetype anymore. But I think if you're going to have that, Evan is more of the pure point guard style. He, he has that that natural instinct to know when a guy needs the ball. And when you see a, a human being that big bust his ass that hard and you don't reward him, you may not get that effort on the next play. And that's just human nature. And if one of those guys knows that, man, I just busted it down here, and he didn't even look at me. And I, I think that can be contagious. And, I, and, it, and it, honestly, I, I think it's, that's a, a huge, huge call out for Evan. I, I think he's been fantastic about doing that. And I wish Damon C.J., especially with, with, with Myers and Nurk, and even Zach, uh, when Zach isn't being called to, be, to the offensive foul <laughs> on the screen in the roll game, would look to lob to him, look, look to lob to the bigs. Evan is looking for that regularly. Damien C J not so much. That's I think you and I have both had that criticism for quite a while now.
0: Well, and I I think part of it is that Damien doesn't like to uh, he doesn't like it when things fail very much, and I don't think Evan Turner cares as much. Not that Evan Turner isn't doesn't ascribe to excellence, but I think <laughs> e- Evan Turner is a little bit more willing to we'll take the um you know take a bigger chance, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, but I think you're right about him knowing. Uh, I think he enjoys setting people up. And I would like to hear, I would be there, nothing would make me happier than finding out that they all spent the entire day on Thanksgiving practicing alley oops because, for the love of God, they can't, their alley oop, the, like the, I don't know, two or three that they've actually completed this season were like alley oops, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, come on, come on, you guys, get it. You can do this. Oh, I, you just got to practice. I...
1: I see Myers and Nurkic come clean on rolls and look at, at, at the, the ball handler and point up like, hey, hello, up. And then the ball proceeds to hit them in the chin on a bounce pass. <laughs> and it's like, no, dummy, I'm seven foot tall. Throw it at the damn rim.
0: I will jump and get it. We know that Myers can jump and get it. But yeah, but anyway, it ends up being CJ who gets
1: one. Yeah, and it's like, what are you... Yeah, they, they've thrown more lobs to CJ than they have to their big man. It's like, you've got two guys who want to go get it. Throw it up for them every now and then. Give them the ball. And they're working their butts off.
0: That's what I'm saying it, on Thanksgiving. Nobody gets turkey until they've all practiced their alley hoops.
1: Yeah, uh, that, that's – like, listen, this has been a great start to the season. This has been better than I anticipated. Those two games they dropped, I didn't sweat it. I mean, when I wrote about it, it was defense. And I, I don't think it's anything more than, you know, they reverted. I think they got a little comfortable in their britches because the offense was humming so well they figured they could beat anybody playing offense. And then against Washington, they locked back in, and they handled business. Now, that that bench unit for Washington, making it close, and then needed to be, gave me a little bit of pause. But for the most part, the defensive effort was, was good for, for three quarters of that game.
0: Mm-hmm. It It's nice to know that they know how to do it. It might not always work, but it's just nice to know that they fundamentally know what they're supposed to do. Because in you know, two seasons ago, it was kind of unclear that they knew what the plan was. <laughs> yeah,
1: and, and again, talking about effort, I, I wanted to call this out for for Nurkic. Nurkic is averaging four offensive rebounds a game. Remember, we we talked about this coming into the season. Who was the guy that was gonna gonna find his way to to crash the offensive glass?
0: Right, who was gonna no, fill in for Ed?
1: Yeah, Nurk's increased his volume. Um, And so has Aminu. Aminu's been... Now, it's contract year, Aminu, and he's he's stolen a few of those. (laughs) But he is definitely trying to get in there and kind of bring some of those offensive rebounding numbers back to what they had last year.
0: Yeah, there's a little bit of, um, you know, fighting for rebounds against your own teammate. But I think it's more just being off rhythm and having not really gotten into the rhythm of being able to know you know who's the who's the first and then who's the second because Mm -hmm. remember when they used to just crash into each other constantly under the ball and then like they started to get it back together and last year they were pretty good there was very little crashing into each other under the basket and i was really afraid there was going to be a lot of it this year i think uh i think now it's more um, you know the the gr- aggressiveness with which they want to just make sure that they get every rebound, and so there's multiple guys going for it.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I- again, the, the not going to complain that, about that. <laughs> no, and and uh, one of my biggest concerns coming into the season was how well would this team rebound with with Nurkic and, and in mean to an extent being the o- only like true rebounders, but they've done a great job yeah. rebounding by committee. Yeah. I mean, games are getting five a game. Et's getting five a game. In the couple games, Harkless was playing. He's getting five a game. Zach is bumped up his production to four a game. Myers is rebounding. Like guys that wasn't sure we going to rebound, and they're out there doing it. So that, that's nice to see.
0: If the Blazers are go even for an even longer extended streak about Harkless, what do you, not- what do you think? I mean, what do you? Uh, how do they, I mean, how do they, how do they look right? Like, are they just, do you think that they're just like holding on while Harkless is gone? Are they doing okay without Harkless? Is it? It's okay. Um,
1: the 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 Blazers have a, uh, the ability to, to be better with Harkless because he does give you more than Jake Lehman can give you. But I think Jake has given them consistent effort on both sides that sometimes isn't there with Harkless. Now you don't get the plus defense where I, Lehman, he tries. He doesn't have Harkless's strength. Mm -hmm. Now we've seen him make some plays though. I mean, he had a tremendous block the other night where he just came out of nowhere Mm -hmm. and it was like, Oh, okay. And he's always hustling. And he's, I think he's the better option offensively. And I think the Blazers, the starters in particular are looking for Jake Lehman, uh, on those back cuts. Nurkic and him seem to have developed a little bit of a relationship on those back cuts. um, so I, I I'm okay with what Lehman's given. Lehman's shooting forty percent from three, back cutting, playing passable if 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 nothing else, slightly positive defense. Uh, now Harkless gives them the, again the ability to be better defensively. Little probably backslide on the three point percentage and maybe not willing to work as hard as consistently as, as Lehman. But there's a higher ceiling, I think, with with Harkless and theirs with Lehman. And really it's more about depth. Like if, if something happens to Layman, then they're screwed.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: There's just, there's just not enough bodies.
0: Then I guess they're starting Nick Stauskas. would mm. be,
1: <laughs> that would I, be, I, well, uh, I, one time they, they may, yeah, it's either that or they go with a three guard lineup.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And well, that's, that's not good either.
0: One of the things that I can say for, jake layman that i've appreciated about him is i thought especially lately i feel like he's gotten really fired up and he's playing with a lot of passion which i did not really (laughs) see coming like you know he's on the floor and like you can see him and he he can um you know he just gets that look in his eye where he's a a lot more aggressive
1: he's doing something he's getting the vonlay treatment with minutes Mm -hmm. but he's doing more with it than vonlay did does that make sense
0: Right. So he's getting, you know, the ones at the opening of the first quarter, the opening of the third quarter, but he's making the most of it.
1: There's a play every mm-hmm. single shift. Mm-hmm. And you know he's on the floor.
0: Well, and one of the things that was interesting, uh, the today's episode of the Rip City Report with Joe Freeman and Casey Holdall, they talked about uh, H- Harkless and Layman, and apparently the two of them have been spending a lot of time together. And so when Lehman, you know, comes out, he'll go and I'll talk to Harkless. And so that they, you know, are, uh, have been pretty connected and that Harkless has been pretty engaged in helping Jake find his way, which is kind of cool. That's what they were talking about on the rip yeah, report. That's, anyway, that's, that's fantastic.
1: I think that, that goes to show the leadership and the, the structure, how sound it is within this team, because yeah. there are teams around this league where that crap would not happen.
0: That's an awesome segue. Like that? Yes. Nice Joe's, work, Dan.
1: Joe's teaching me well.
0: <laughs> nice work. So the Washington Wizards are having a fire sale. Apparently, that was the big news that was making my phone blow up all day today.
1: It's it's put in an offer. Yeah. I it, I've, I've been talking about this all year. I mean, coming into this season. Well,
0: yeah. You. I mean, it's not like you had an <laughs> well, edge on it. We were all. Everybody knew that Washington was in trouble.
1: Yeah. I well okay we'll, we'll go with that.
0: Um, I mean since last year Bradley Beal and John Wall have been having um there's been a narrative fact. about the two of them not getting along well. And imagine if there was a narrative in Portland that CJ McCollum and uh Damian Lillard were not getting along well. I mean it's kind of the same type of thing.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It's that's I mean wh- how long have we heard the 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 Blazers or Wizards East, or the, the Wizards or Blazers East.
0: Yeah. I mean, there are, there are similarities.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a pretty, pretty good, uh, reasoning for that. Um,
0: but if in fact there, the Blazers or the, the Wizards were going to be trading their players, uh, what are some of the, I'm, I, I, I refuse to believe that you haven't already thought this through. <laughs> what are some of the players that you think would fit well on the trailblazers? Oh, I mean, in, in... Realistically.
1: Okay, realistically, the only one they can get is, is Ubre.
0: Do you and think that okay.
1: That's a stretch. And that's just because of the money. They, they could get Porter. They could get Otto. But the, well, the financial ramifications would be
0: yeah, huge. Otto Porter is, like, making a ton of money, and Kelly Ubre isn't making that much money.
1: No, he's going into his restrictive free agency. So you're, you'd are you have to give up more to get Ubre, but because of the... Teams that are looking for the superstar free agents, I don't think he's going to get the absurd money that Otto got. Um, I I think Otto is is slightly overpaid, but I think he's horribly utilized in Washington.
0: So, what are some trades that you might uh, that you've kicked around? Ideas?
1: Okay the the only way in my mind that you get Otto is if CJ's going out, which just isn't happening. Ubre, on the other hand. If Washington is looking to kickstart the rebuild and get younger, uh, without committing the financial assets to him, then you you probably talk about um, Harkless, a first rounder, uh, and one of the young guys. I don't think the like Anthony
0: or Gary Trent Jr.
1: I think depending on how Portland values a first round pick, um, it would be between Trent and Simons. They would obviously much rather prefer to give up Trent. Uh, I think they, they are thoroughly vested in Anthony's development. I think it's going to take a heck of an offer for Anthony Simons to be included. Um, I think Oubre would be a fantastic addition to Portland. Mm-hmm. He's, to me, what Harkless should be. That, that's, ex- that's what I look at Oubre as. He, he's got the ability to play both ends of the floor. He can play down. He can play up. He's incredibly athletic. He can shoot from three. He can put the ball on the floor. He's an energy guy. Uh, you, you draw a play for him every now and then to keep him happy. Um, but otherwise, he just kind of fits into the offense. And I, as, a, as a young guy, then you're kind of – you're getting younger. Um, and you're basically committing the money that you had committed to Harkless to him. Mm-hmm. And – I see that as a win-win.
0: What do you think is actually the most likely scenario out of Washington?
1: Uh, I, I just don't think there's anything likely for Portland.
0: Right. But I mean, just in general, do you think that Bradley okay, Beal so, moves? Here's the, pecking,
1: here's the pecking order of value, in my opinion. Bradley Beal, substantial gap, Kelly Oubre, John Wall, auto Porter. Mm-hmm. John Wall, don't get me wrong, is still a phenomenal talent. But he looks like he underwent the Ray Felton diet.
0: He doesn't look like he's having fun.
1: No, he looks.
0: <laughs> I mean, did he like- ever?
1: Yeah, there were times, but I mean, there there've been stories about Wall being prickly uh, ever since he came into the league. The kicker is the back end of his contract: forty plus million dollars a year. Tara, I don't right. care what salary cap you're under; that's that's a disaster, and so that's a serious inhibitor when it comes to moving him. And it's the same to, to a lesser extent with, with Otto Porter. His, his contract is big. But again, I think with Porter, I think he's a hell of a player. I think he's being horribly utilized in Washington. I mean, he can't get a shot in that offense, which is insane to me. The, the guy his whole career has been a great shooter. Like the, the fact that his usage rate hovers around the same level as Harkless on that team?
0: Is that just because Wall and Beal take so many shots?
1: Yeah, and uh, there's pretty good evidence that Wall freezes him out.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and th- with
1: somebody who has the ball as much as John Wall, that's pretty easy to do.
0: Do you think a new a new player coming into Portland would be able to get enough shots? There's enough shots to go around.
1: Depends on what's going out. Mm-hmm. I, I think Damon CJ. If it's um, Ubre or Porter, yes. I, I think there's enough to go around. I, I think that in that case, you see Dame's shots, instead of being 23, dropping down to 20. I think Dame, or CJ shots going from 20 to 18. Um, I think the bench shots go down a little bit because now you, you probably have Porter playing some minutes with that bench unit out there. Um, the versatility that you get within that, I can see a guy like Otto Porter playing the four, playing some stretch four. And then when he's out there with the second unit, you've got Collins and, and Porter with E.T., Seth, and Fauskas. I think your floor spacing is better. I think you're defensively a better team, and I, I think the opportunity there is is much better um, for him in Portland where it's a, a lot more equal opportunity than it is in Washington right now.
0: Uh, to move on to one last player, anything else you want to say about Washington?
1: No, it's a dumpster fire, and, yeah. and I really should have put that money down on them blowing it up before December.
0: <laughs> what about, uh, there? there were, there's actually been some reports, and I don't know how much our we credence we're hand, giving them, that Portland has been interested in Mellow.
1: So, I reached out to a few people to see if I could figure out what the timeline was on this, and I never got any real clarification but everything that I've been able to gather is that these were overtures made in the past, okay. not since he's gone to Houston.
0: Yeah. I just... Now,
1: there, there, there is a kicker to this. People, I, I think, that watch the NBA, the, the, the general fan isn't aware of the politics within the NBA. And by that, I mean, a guy like Carmelo Anthony and his agent have a lot of cachet. And it does not hurt Portland one bit if Neil O'Shea and the Trailblazers let it be said that Portland has been interested in Carmelo Anthony. What that does do is that that creates a market mm-hmm. or a visible market out there for a player like Carmelo Anthony and makes him and his agent look better. So
0: it's a Port- favor to do to him. Yes, Portland stands Portland Portland's against- interested in him
1: yeah exactly
0: maybe we it, should go for him it,
1: Mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff happens around the league all the time mm-hmm. all the time and if that's happening and, and it's not true i guarantee you 1000 percent, that neil o'shea has told Damian lillard that it's not there's nothing here the 100 that we're totally good it's this that or the other you don't have to worry about anything because there's no way a move like that happens without Dame's blessing.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I and mean, not
1: like that, Portland has 15 guys on the roster.
0: Yeah, so somebody has to leave.
1: Yeah, and I, I just don't see Dame greenlighting that um, with the way things are going right now.
0: Well, and not when they have guys who have the mid range covered. Like mm-hmm. if that was if that was a, a weakness. But it's just yeah, that, 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 it's just that, not That's in
1: t- Turner's t- real house. You, you don't need another guy operating in that mid to high post. And there is about to be a fight in the Kings-Thunder game. Okay. Ooh,
0: that's exciting.
1: The, Steven Adams is playing peacekeeper between Willie Colley Stein and somebody else. So, Willie Coley Stein is about to kill somebody. Oh, boy. Well, well I mean, the Sacramento—you know what? I don't want to get too You want to talk tracks. about
0: the Kings for a minute? I,
1: I want to talk about these, these other teams in the
0: West right now. Yeah.
1: The, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Sacramento Kings— and the Los Angeles Clippers. How great is it to see other teams that have been in a bad place the last couple of years kind of get their crap together?
0: I think, it's, I think it's great. I am so happy for those long-suffering Kings fans that they have something to cheer about. Although now they have stuff coming about how their coach isn't developing the younger players satisfactorily, that he's playing the veterans over the rookies oh, he, and the
1: Kings are winning now. And Dave Yeager's doing the things he's done his entire career.
0: <laughs> right. So I guess we better, you know, manufacture some sort of a schism there to, you know, drive a wedge in it. I don't know. I just was like, it yeah. seems like, it seems like they're doing fine. Um, you know, De'Aaron Fox is really fun to watch.
1: I mean, it's weird. Also, it was Westbrook that callie Stein was going to kill. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with that. Right. I don't know about you.
0: Well, Clippers and uh, the Memphis Grizzlies were two other ones uh, that you mentioned.
1: Yeah, the Clippers, I, I, I don't, I don't want to say too much on them, but the Clippers are a team that I looked at like, they could be a team that could scare you because they've got a ton of depth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That was all I saw them as, like probably the 10th best team in the, in the West.
0: Mm-hmm. They look like, they even if
1: they fall off, which they, they will, but they look like a team that could scare you. Yeah. But the, um, the Grizzlies?
0: They got that nice rookie.
1: They are yeah well, uh, Jackson gonna, Jr. Yeah, yeah, I'm not I'm not going to say it. What? Uh, <laughs> no, you don't like else, him. No, I love him. Oh, okay. I I I, I love the kid. I think he's going to be a star in this league. But you look at that team, and it's very much reminiscent of what they've done in the past. It's Conley. It's a soul. And a bunch of guys who worked their butt off. Sheldon Matt Garrett-Temple, Jaron Jackson Jr., um, Marshawn Brooks getting another chance at life, Uh, Wayne Selden. I mean, it's the the one surprising thing is that that Kyle Anderson has been bad. Like That's been the one thing that's been surprising to me. But uh, this kind of goes to at least Portland, that they need to win these Eastern Conference swings to bring it back to Portland. They need these East Coast games, Tara. Because there's not a night off unless you're playing the Suns mm-hmm. in the West.
0: Yeah, the West is still... There are,
1: there are 14 teams sp- that can that will give it to you mm-hmm. unless you're on your game in the West.
0: I know, really scary when the Kings are now among them. <laughs> <laughs> really, really scary. Well, and yeah, of course, I, we got we to gotta wind this up. But I'm just going to say, how on the earth did Dallas beat the Jazz by 50 points?
1: Okay, that, that was the other team. Thank you. Come I mean, on. Really, nice. <laughs> okay. People didn't think Luca could play. Tara, <laughs> Luca can play.
0: Yeah. He, he, well, he was fantastic at the end of the, uh, was it the Golden State game? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, a no, very talented player.
1: Luca, this is going to sound like sacrilege. You know who Luca reminds me of, Tara?
0: Brandon Roy? Yeah. Yeah, I think well, you're, you're handing out the Brandon Roy compliments all over. I think you just miss, really miss Brandon Roy.
1: I do miss Brandon, but Luka's very heady, doesn't rely on the explosion unless he has to, has the ability to create, has the ability to just kind of get guys on his own rhythm, and, but he has an innate natural ability to be the leader, to be the general on the floor. And for a 19-year-old kid to do that, Tara, that is
0: yeah, that's wild. He's outstanding. Yeah. Well, so the thing, the weird thing about the schedule this year is that there's a bunch of teams that we've played played twice, and then or that they've played twice, and then a bunch of teams that they haven't played <laughs> at all. So <laughs> once we get through this uh, this road trip. Then uh, they play the Clippers, and then they get kind of a fresh group of, uh, of teams to take a look at. So I'm excited Nugget. to get through these like familiar ones. It's like, okay, I've seen yeah. the Lakers enough. I've seen the Clippers enough. Ready to get on, on for some December. new stuff.
1: Let's look at this real quick before we go. December looked bad when we started the season. Now in December, Tara, you have the Spurs, Mavericks, Suns, T-Wolves, Rockets, Grizzlies, Raptors, Clippers, Grizzlies, Jazz, Mavericks, Jazz, Warriors, back-to-back, 76ers, Kings, Thunder, Rockets.
0: That's going to be fun. Holy crap. It's going to be amazing when they come through there with, like, you know, a really above 500.
1: The only, like, quote-unquote easy game in December is the Suns. That's it. Every one of these games is a nightmare on paper right now.
0: Right. You you get a little worked up about all of them. I mean, I think literally any team in the uh, NBA right now except for the Suns, you would be worked up about. So No <laughs> No, no, no.
1: That's that is a brutal, brutal stretch.
0: Yes, it is. But I I they've been they've been playing well. And also there's been good teams that have had really bad games. Yes. that's and the thing that I, I that really stands that. out to me this year. Like the other night when the Blazers lost to the Lakers, and then like the next night or that night, the Utah lost to Dallas in that massive fifty Whoa. point win. So one of the commentators said, "This has been a week where some good teams have had really bad games," and I I can't remember this many good teams having this many bad games this early in the season.
1: I, I think it's good for the league, not yeah. necessarily the bad games, but the competitiveness.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, and and anytime you don't know what's going to happen, fans really like that because we've been really tired of always knowing what was going to happen. Yep. So I think that that makes it really exciting. Warriors and doom and gloom. <laughs> yeah. So so let's let's wrap it up there. And uh, let's see. We just had our last uh, Women's Hoops and Talks this past Sunday. It was really fun. We had a whole bunch of new participants and for people who couldn't make it. Don't worry, we have another one coming up on December 17th. is going to be the next Women's Hoops and Talks meetup. You Whoop. can follow me on Twitter, at TCBBigs. And uh, let's see, that's about it for me. Oh, you can also ha- follow the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast, which also shows up in the Blazers Edge podcast feed, at uh, Hoops and Talks on Twitter as well, so that you can hear about the latest episodes as soon as they come out. Dan, why don't you take us out of here?
1: Excellent. Uh, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and where else for all your social media, what have you. Uh, at Deemrang, it's at D-M-A-R-A-N-G on Blazers Outsiders. Every free and post-game show with Joe Simon, Shane Brennan, and myself on NBC Sports Northwest. And we've got something really cool. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but I'm going to say it anyways. We are going to be getting kicked out of our studio, uh, as I've alluded to in the last couple of weeks, for the KGW Toy Drive. And it's an awesome, awesome thing to get kicked out of the studio for. And we have now found out we're going to be at the Rialto. And that is in Pioneer Courthouse Square on 4th Avenue. Uh, We will be doing live pre and post shows from there. So road game, home game, don't matter. From December 4th to the 21st. uh, So I think it's nine games we're going to be in there. Um, Would love it if anybody, everybody, come on down, come say hi, come catch a game with us, shoot it. Have fun. Um, Joe, Shane, and I, and uh, the whole crew will be down there every game. So that's something cool for, for at least for us, to look forward to.
0: Awesome. That sounds fun. So I get to actually watch a game with you.
1: Yes, we will be right there. So you can tell me to be quiet in person.
0: <laughs> Kick you under the table. Just like old times. <laughs> yeah, no,
1: no. Joe and Shane do it above the table. You please shut up.
0: I'm a, I'm a little more subtle. Well, it's great to talk to you, Danny. Uh, talk to you next week. Go get some rest.